0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Coogee Voice. In today's episode, we unpack some of the gritty and controversial topics around women in sport, including pay and how the mass media chooses to portray our female athletes. You're listening to Coogee Voice.
1: That statement to me grinded my gears, and it was almost like it was forced upon me to play the game so that then when somebody questioned me, I could be like, (laughs) Don't, don't question. I've actually played the game now. When you do it so easily for the men, I find it really hard and a really hard pill to swallow how they find avenues and weave their way around not paying the women. It's incredibly frustrating and it's disheartening. Gone are the days where the woman is in the kitchen. So get used to the woman being out and dominating because it's only going to get worse for any alpha male who is... Freaking out that a woman is going to be bigger and better than them. It, it's happening and it is it is changing and I suggest everybody jump on board and support because otherwise you're gonna get left behind.
0: Katie, welcome to Coochie Voice. How are you going today? I'm doing well. I'm doing as well as I can be. What about you? (laughs) Oh, look, I'm great. The sun is shining. I've just finished eight days of isolation because I was linked to a close case. Uh, Did a great walk down at Coogee Beach. So I'm now here and happy and ready to go. It makes us happy, doesn't it? We're so lucky to be close to the beach. We are. And so just before we start talking about you and your career and your advocacy in women's sport, uh, what brought you to the eastern suburbs? Ah, uh, uh, my my lease was up. My roommate at the time
1: was moving in with her boyfriend and I thought, oh, I'd like to get close to the beach. Maybe I'll go Bondi. Uh, and then I started looking at places and end up in Coogee and it was a blessing in disguise. It's the best suburb. I love it.
0: <laughs> what do you love most about it?
1: I love the main strip. Like I love that it's this sense of community. Um, I feel like I know my local barista. I know where I like to get my burger from. I know where I want to swim, whether it's the pool or if it's the main beach. I know the little secret hardy holes. Um, And everybody's still really lovely. It doesn't feel like you're in this snobby suburb of
0: Sydney. Well, it's good to hear that you love your coffee and your burgers. There's more to come where we ask the tough (laughs) questions at the end of this interview. But Katie, for our listeners who aren't, familiar with you. Just give us a little bit of a rundown. Who is Katie? Okay. Um, I'm a girl from Grafton and I now live the big city life
1: and I love it. And I am a sports reporter, uh, mainly rugby league, have a, a massive passion for rugby league, but grew up riding horses. So that's basically me in a nutshell. I worked for Channel 7, NRL, digital space, and now I work for 1170 SCN.
0: You're a commentator for League, but you started playing for Souths in 2020. Big question, why League? Yeah,
1: well, because I'd played Aussie Rules when I worked for Seven on the Gold Coast and when I moved down to Sydney, uh, I was covering the NRLW and I said to my boss, I think I want to play Aussie Rules. And he said, don't know if that looks great working for NRL. And I thought, okay, well, I'll play Rugby League then. <laughs>
0: Had you ever played it when you were younger growing up?
1: No, nah, no. Nah. The only contact sport I've played was the year of Aussie rules before signing up to play under
0: Dean Widders. Who are your role models in the game? Oh, that's a hard question. Role models.
1: I, I'm stuck for role models. They're more in the journalist media side of things, but players probably can't look past. Ali Brigginshaw and Millie Boyle, um, two Brisbane Broncos. I've developed quite close relationships with them and Ali Brigginshaw is um, incredibly talented. I call her the goat. She just changes the game all the time to stay up with it. She's getting older.
0: Katie, you've got a podcast, Real Talk, where you tackle controversial topics and the gritty bits and pieces of it, especially around women and around diversity. Why did you start the podcast?
1: Yeah, great question. I think because
0: I realised that I have a platform
1: where I can do things my way and I've never been very good at taking um, direction from other people. I do like to make my own rules. And it was just a, a space in lockdown where I thought I can interview whoever I want and ask them whatever I want and tell the world what potentially they might want to hear and not have all the, the cliches and the limitations that when I work for a company you have.
0: So, Katie, where do you see the failures and problems with the way in which mainstream media portrays women in sport?
1: I think we are still waiting to have the support of men um, and not all men need to make that really clear. There are some incredible men who support women sport but it's the men who don't make noise are a problem because they don't realize the power they have and for some reason which i am still trying to work out and i'm sure you can add to it but the women's sport coverage just does not get the traction it deserves because i think if you look at the top of any code it's run by predominantly men and underneath are are men and then more men. And 50% of our population are female. So you can't tell me they don't deserve to have an opportunity. You can't tell me that it won't be a successful competition or a successful business if you don't have women in those positions. You actually just have to put the effort into it.
0: We're actually more than 50% of the population, Katie. So there's even more (laughs) of a reason why we should be doing it. Katie, a really good example is the Dallium Awards. Uh, It's put all over mainstream media. Now, regardless of whether you're talking about league, cricket, union, AFL, when these same award seasons happen for women's sport, there's nowhere near that same level of coverage that they are granted. What do you think is driving this? Uh,
1: I mean, even at the Dalliums, there was no female Dallium this year because the competition got postponed. I think the same with the staff, right? Like there's no one sport that wants to be the change. So I've sort of looked into this recently where cricket are a good step ahead of a sport like AFLW or rugby league, but they're still not making it like compulsory for say commercialization of a brand. Say your your main sponsorship is X and that sponsor wants to put 70% of their sponsorship into the men and only 30 to the women. So you need your board to say, well, no, it has to be 50-50. And if you don't want to do that, Sponsor X, we don't want you on board. Catch 22, because you need the money. But at the same time, is are we not fighting for equality? Like is that at the end of the day, don't you want to go home and say, we managed to still get the same amount of money, But there is half for the women, half for the men. And in 10 years' time, you'll see a competition for the men and the women playing
0: at both elite levels and both getting the money they deserve. Katie, you've just touched on this a little bit, but the NRLW has been delayed until 2022, meaning there's going to be two seasons in one year. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Uh, I go, yes, a full year of rugby league for the women. But I also say, oh, we are finding ourselves in scary territory because there's no contract security right now for a woman. So if she happens to be injured in round one, then that puts her out financially for the rest of the year. So that upwards of 60,000, 70,000 that she could make from playing all of those games and representing her state or country later on uh, are, are gone. And right now there's nothing in the CBA for a woman to protect her and support her financially.
0: Katie, while I firmly believe there is a lot that still needs to change in women's sport, we have seen the rhetoric around women's sport change really in the last 15 years. Uh, You know, 10, 15 years ago, there was much more rhetoric that women can't play as well as men. It's not as entertaining. No one wants to watch it. No one's going to turn up. I'd argue that this has changed. People do turn up to AFLW games. They are turning up to watch women's cricket. They're turning up to watch our women's sevens and the NRL games. I've been to plenty. What do you think is driving this? Mm,
1: changing attitude and also the um, the younger generation, I think, because there's been people who are trying to change that perception and sure it's a minority are trying to change the perception, but over the years it's managed to improve slightly and you're seeing young boys and young girls have idols who are young girls, um, who, who who are women, which has never been seen before. Like you're starting to see women on a TV screen. So that good old saying, if you can see it, you can be it, resonates because you can see it um it's an actual opportunity i still think there's a long way to go after the uh, video with the the nrlw situation being postponed there were a lot of yeah derogatory comments that still you wonder why um, men think the way they do because they all came from a woman's womb and you'd like to think they've got a fair bit more of respect for their mother or their their sister or their daughter
0: When I was playing union, there were three common questions or statements that were often put to me. One, I didn't know you were gay. Two, they allow women to play rugby union. And three, aren't you too pretty to play? (laughs) (laughs) Which I I find quite laughable because I always wonder, are those questions ever put towards men? Like is there sexuality Mm. questions? Is the way that they look questions? What is, I guess, the most confronting statement or question that's ever been placed to you
1: Mm. well but coming from being a journalist to then playing the question that i didn't get hit with a lot but um somebody in the, the the industry did question me once and just said to me um don't pretend like you know what you're talking about don't try and talk like a male would talk about rugby league because you're a woman and and it looks bad. That statement to me grinded my gears and it was almost like it was forced upon me to play the game so that then when somebody questioned me, I could be like, don't, don't question. I've actually played the game now. The other one was, um, Katie, I want to ask, are you a lesbian? Um, Because my male friend wants to date you. And I was so shocked by it. I was like, what, like one, who cares? to, oh my gosh! Am I giving off lesbian vibes? Like, is this because I'm playing rugby league and it's and you're saying that it's a, a lesbian sport? Like, it was so so bizarre.
0: It is absolutely bizarre. And you know, as I was saying, there are these links between women's sport and sexuality, which, for if you're involved in the game, it's just absolutely nonsensical. But it sort of leads me to my next question. Uh, similarly to me. You started playing uh, rugby league later in life. I started playing union after I'd left high school. What do you see as the barriers for getting more women and particularly younger girls excited to play, I guess, what we would say non-traditional female sports?
1: Um, I think continuing to have them um, broadcasted and put on a plato- uh, platform, put on a pedestal, show that show. People and show girls that they can also play it. Put it in schools. Have girls want to. Women want to go to schools and promote the sport. Um, but I do think it's happening. Almost, I would love to say organically, but I think it is happening in terms of growth because the AFLW is expanding. W League is expanding. We're seeing players like Sam Kerr, Ash Barty, who just project this incredible role model, and, and you want to be it whether you're a boy or a girl doesn't matter what, you, what sex or gender you, you resonate yourself with. Um, so I, I think it's happening.
0: It absolutely is happening. We've seen growths in women's cricket or girls' cricket in the eastern suburbs by almost 70%. Um, and it's interesting, when I turn up to schools now and I ask young girls, so girls, year four, year five, year six, what sport do you play? Increasingly, they're not saying netball. Saying, I play AFL, I play rugby league, I play soccer. And I think that's really, really exciting compared to when I was in primary school. Really, the only choice that I had was netball. Mm, Yeah. Katie, at the moment, clubs of all codes are under a lot of financial strain. And, you know, you touched on before board and financial structures around funding. Um, A lot of the women's games are dependent on the men's part of the competition to be financially viable. What this has done is that in a lot of cases it's providing a bit of a justification for why this year women's comps and games needed to be pushed aside. How do we make the women's games financially self-sufficient? That's like a billion dollar question.
1: (laughs) But um, I think it is having a separate entity run the women's side of the sport um i looked at the nrlw after the third postponement and thought would this have happened if we had an nrlw board organizing and having their pure passion and their pure priority as the nrlw competition to go ahead and i would say no it wouldn't have been postponed it would have gone ahead because the NRL, who are trying to run their multi-million dollar business, whether they want to admit it or not, are not prioritising the women's side of that space. So you, I think you actually have to have separate committees. So whether it is grassroots, you have separate committees and you prioritise um, both sides of the sport. But then when you bring in sexuality and gender, um, right now it's men's games, women's games. But I can see in the next few years even, things changing because we have people who are non-binary, we have transgender, we have so many different genders and sexualities. Um, So where do you draw the line? Like what if I'm non-binary and I want to play in the boys' side? Are you going to say no? Like, I I don't know, it gets really complicated.
0: Yes, (laughs) it's really, really complicated (laughs) stuff. (gasps) Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there were three things. You could change about women's sport, the way it's spoken about, how it's treated in the mass media and broader public. What would those three things be? I would say report on it like you'd report on the men's.
1: Don't, don't report on it soft. Um, we got a taste of that, I know, yeah, earlier this year with Millie Boyle, and they went to town on her, and I thought that was really unfair for an off field. But on field, They're athletes, so talk about them like they're athletes. The second thing would be funding Um, sponsors in Australia and around the world. Take note, like put invest your money um, into these women's sports. And thirdly, I think the big one is to get that money. We need to have um, the the right models in place to actually have a successful business. So every women's sport needs a successful and Um, viable business model that's going to make that women's game money at the end of the day. Otherwise um, sponsors aren't going to put their money into it and the organisation won't put effort into it because at the end of the day people just want money.
0: This year there's been some pretty big conversations around um, women's sport and payment and um, disability athletes and payment. Uh, There's been a big move particularly around the NRLW um, and we saw earlier this year the government change a policy where paralympians who are medalists are now being paid for the first time I guess what are your thoughts on this and I guess like the what the broader conversation around I guess women and I what people who've traditionally seen maybe as marginalized people in the sports payment
1: yeah um, I thought that was incredible the the power of the public where we all pushed into basically forcing the government to to then say okay well yeah we actually do need to pay our paralympians I thought that was I had I did not know that until SBS wrote that article and then the female athlete project started the petition to raise money themselves to pay the paralympians that was so beautiful and then in the same breath um we recently had when the nrlw got postponed and 130 plus athletes weren't going to get paid a third of their contract because it was out of their control but that the body cancelled the competition on them um they all have full-time jobs and they couldn't pay their way and then the the only sort of compensation they've been given since is three and a half thousand dollars, which they'll be taxed half of because they all have full-time jobs. So it's really been nothing. Um, but my argument to, to anything where they're trying to get compensation for the women is um, when you do it so easily for the men, I find it really hard and a really hard pill to swallow um, how they find avenues and weave their way around not paying the women. It's incredibly frustrating and it's disheartening And you get to the point where you sound like you're just whinging and whining because you're a woman and it's so unfair. But at the end of the day, like if you're listening to these, telling me, gosh, just shut up, just listen, like feel how a woman is feeling. Um, You'll never understand because you're not a woman. And it's incredibly frustrating.
0: (laughs) Katie, I've often found that the word opportunity is used Uh, for women playing sport as a way of circumventing payment so look at this great opportunity you have aren't you lucky to have had this opportunity why are you whinging you've had this opportunity what are your thoughts on that oh i I won't swear on here but i hate it (laughs)
1: like are you kidding how 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 the other one's grateful so Oh, you know, the women you need know, to stay in their lane and be really grateful that they've even had this opportunity to play in front of a, a crowd and they should be grateful that they get to play as part of a doubleheader and they should be grateful that they're part of a CBA and this happens in all sports. And I just think it's again, you go, Why? Why is it that we have to have this as an opportunity? Why is it that it has to be grateful? Though like Gone are the days where the woman is in the kitchen. So get used to the woman being out and dominating because it's only going to get worse for any alpha male who is um, freaking out that a woman is going to be bigger and better than them. It, it's happening and it is, it is changing and I suggest everybody jump on board and support because otherwise you're going to get left behind.
0: So Katie, tell us a little bit about like what have been some of the most controversial or enlightening conversations you've had on the podcast?
1: oh all of them <laughs> they're all really different um i actually had one of my guests reach out to me which was was beautiful um stefan Roshku, who is a wheelchair rugby league player he represented australia in tennis and he um, reached out to me because he realized that he could use me as a platform to tell his story but also his his story was never cared for um in mainstream media um and so he, you know, he nearly died three times and um, he's incredibly resilient. And it was a beautiful story to hear and then tell other people to feel inspired afterwards. But I've spoken to a transgender uh, woman by the name of Holly who worked in rugby league and was known as Scott and she wouldn't mind me saying and is now Holly and, and incredibly um, grateful and, and a new, new person, so happy. Um, and most recently, an 11 year old girl by the name of Avi, who's created a, a magazine called Her Way. And um, it's all about women's sports. So it's just really refreshing and rewarding to be able to speak to people like that.
0: It's really nice. I want to meet that girl, Avi. I actually, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. You do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, Katie, before I let you go, there are three very tough questions that we ask everyone mm-hmm. that comes on to Coogee Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where you get the best coffee, and where sells the best burgers. Go. Okay. I am
1: never dissing Coogee. Go down to Coogee. I don't care where I jump in. Usually the northern end, actually, the little northern bubble. I like that bit. My favourite coffee is the San Antonio Bakery from Suggit. Shout out to Suggett and Susie. <laughs> and my best burger... I know it's a chain, but I love Betty's. I love Betty's burger and the thick chips. Get me some of that. And the onion rings, why not? But I go the
0: original. Clean or with a bun? No, with a bun. Gosh, if I'm having a burger, I'm going all out. (laughs) Katie, thank you so much for joining us on Coogee Voice. If people would like to check out Real Talk, where should they head to?
1: Uh, They can just go to Instagram, Real Talk Media, or you can go to the website. It's realtalkmedia.com.au. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, Katie.
0: What an eye-opening conversation. For any of our young female athletes out there thinking about giving NRL or union or cricket a go, my advice is give it a crack. And if you'd like to learn more about Katie Brown and her podcast, check her out on Instagram at Real Talk. You've been listening to Coogee Voice.